Welcome back to The Winchester, the podcast where Hannah, Ben, and myself explore everything to do with film, TV, entertainment, pop culture, you name it. If you're a nerd like us, then you're in the right place. We'll be diving deep into all things nerdy to discuss exactly what it is we love and hate about them. If you haven't already, please make sure to like, subscribe, review, wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we're talking about Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, David Fincher, evil, crazy relationships with Gone Girl. Synopsis, with the disappearance of his wife having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may not be innocent. But first, we're going to go into a panel segment that we like to call, Whatcha Watchin'? Hey Hannah, what are you watching? I finished Superstore, so I'm now moving on to my next show that I've been trying to find for about a week now, and I tried The Crown. Wasn't a big fan. There's lots of dogs in it, and it kind of drives my dog bonkers when I try to watch it, which kind of takes away from, you know, how beautiful the set pieces are in it when your dog is just yelling at the TV the whole time. So I've moved away from the crown, and I've picked up Vikings instead, and I quite like Vikings so far. It's got Travis Fimmel from Warcraft and Gustav Skarsgård, one of the many actor Skarsgårds in it, and I'm quite liking it so far. Nice, nice. Uh, ben, yeah. what, are you, what are you watching? I've been watching uh, season three of American Gods, which I loved the books, and uh, I definitely think season three is better than season two. Most of my time lately has been reading uh, the second book in the Mistborn series by uh, Brandon Sanderson, uh, The Well of Ascension. Yeah, I'm reading the book. I really like Brandon Sanderson. He's a good writer. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to, to get deeper into the second book for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a lot different from the first. If you're looking for a, uh, a fantasy book with a really interesting and inventive quasi-magic system, I highly recommend it. Uh, his descriptions of how they use the, their magic is incredible and very um, brings forward a lot of very vivid uh, mental imagery. Nice, nice. And Scott? Uh, in short, because of work, I haven't been able to read a book in forever. Yesterday was like my first day off in a long time. I binged The Falcon and Winter Soldier. I love it. I think it's great. I think the director's awesome. She's worked out here in Canada before. She knows exactly what she wants and does a really good job. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see who gets the shield and if they get the shield at all. Nice. That's a great show. Um, so it's going to bring us to our question of the week. Every week we're given a question, whether it's asked from one of us on the panel or from one of our amazing listeners. This week, it's a question from one of us. I think we've only had <laughs> one question from listeners, like maybe once. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Megan. Hey, what's up, Meg? What's up? What's going on? <laughs> Ask us some more questions if you want. <laughs> we did get a, a request from our editor to compare and contrast the Pokemon and the Digimon movie. So I so think that that'll be coming up soon. <laughs> that is that is going to have to be like a mega episode like we did yeah. with like Star Wars or like one of our special anim- episodes. Because that is just a massive massive beast to conquer like and i'm looking how, forward to it because i haven't seen that movie in for i haven't seen the original pokemon movie in so long I, I yeah me neither i just i just want to point out i like how pokemon versus digimon is a massive event but seven hours of justice league is a regular episode <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god yeah um this week's question was who's your favorite cheesy villain Ben, let's start with you. Can be from anything. Video games, movies, whatever. Favorite uh, cheesy villain. So I, I'm going to give a, a... I'll start with a runner-up. My runner-up is Vizini from uh, The Princess Bride. But I, I've got to give the top spot to Mugatu from Zoolander. He's just... He's a ridiculous character in a ridiculous movie. But he's he's somehow the most ridiculous character as well as the only competent character in that entire movie everyone else around him just fumbles through success whereas he's actually got a thought out plan despite how ridiculous uh he both is and looks i, I love will ferrell in that movie i think he's hilarious and just like some of the deadpan looks he gives when uh ben stiller just says the stupidest thing possible is great that's awesome <laughs> uh hannah how about you i think my um uh... My favorite cheesy movie villain is Chris Evans in Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I think his character's name is Lucas, and he he just plays like 
such a good over the top like just kind of cheesy guy and the way that he works those eyebrows it's it's pretty funny so yeah that's <laughs> so good i i think him <laughs> that's so good um i had my original answer was major ship hazard from small soldiers uh i love that movie i loved it was he was like Tommy Lee Jones played this like GI Joe stereotype so well, but I think I'm gonna have to go with what was my original runner up, which was uh, Dustin Hoffman's Captain Hook from Hook. <laughs> yeah. um, I was thinking about it more. Like I thought I knew what I was thinking, but then I realized <laughs> no, Dustin Hoffman's Hook is like a masterclass in acting. I love how theatrical it is. I love like there's like this bit of elegance to this character. He loves the finer things, but he's also like willing to throw down and just fight. And he's like such a good pirate. Like he he was the pirate before Captain Jack Sparrow. So I gotta I gotta switch my answer. I gotta go with uh, uh, Captain Hook from the movie Hook. I love that. I love him. Good call. Yeah, I yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. Alrighty, well, that's going to bring us uh, to our talk about Gone Girl. This movie's crazy. I remember when this when this movie first came out, I was like, oh my God, because David Fincher, right? He yeah. is a genius. This guy is, I was actually talking to a buddy of mine who's a cinematographer, and we were talking about how I don't think we've ever come across someone who is so sure of themselves as a filmmaker and so good. Because usually the yeah. co- usually the cocky ones are like they make garbage content that they think is brilliant, and like then you know people who are humble are you know making more and more good content. But this guy's like so sure of himself. I don't know him as a person, of course, so he could be the nicest dude ever. But as a filmmaker, he just seems so sure of himself, and his content is always good. I love David Fincher movies. When House of yeah, Cards came out, like David Fincher set that tone. It was so good. Rosamund Pike is one of my favorite actresses. I think she is brilliant. She was nominated for an Oscar for this, I believe. Best performance by an actress in a leading role, Rosamund Pike. And she's one in she's in uh, the movie that gave this podcast its name, Shaun of the Dead. She's in uh, she's in that. So there you go. Yeah, David Fincher. I couldn't help but notice while I was watching this movie, he's just got. And I mean, it makes sense because he works with the same cinematographer pretty much every movie he makes for the most part but all of his movies look very similar like they've got a very similar vibe to them it's and, such a good uh, look though because you know i is, think, I think so that what that good. is is that it's it it relates to his tone and yeah. in my opinion tone for a director is everything if you can set the proper tone and everyone commits to that tone now your movie feels like it's one complete entity because yeah. then, yeah. then you get you get everyone to commit to that and then it becomes believable it's like that whole thing of like oh a musicals everyone's like oh musicals are kind of crazy or whatever but yeah but if you have everyone commit to that musical and everyone thinks that that musical that world of the musical is real and everyone believes it then the audience is going to believe it and they're Absolutely. not going to second guess it lending off of that i find that uh, fincher's visual style in these movies is like feels fairly true to reality, but it's off just enough to be off-putting to lend to that tone that a lot of his work has. That it, where it's just it's it just feels slightly off on purpose, puts you as the viewer on edge, especially during movies like Gone Girl, where like that's the point where you're you're supposed to be a little off-put, not quite sure who to trust or what's going on or what the truth is. And I find that his visual style. F- kind of emphasizes that where it like it feels real it feels like you're in it but it just feels there's something off that you can't quite put your finger on yeah, yeah. his visual style is definitely one that i personally have wanted to attempt to emulate in stuff yeah. that i've i've done over the years it's like everything is like very like high contrast like all the blues are like more greeny like if if you look at social network versus like like this movie for example like there's a very very specific oh that's a david fincher movie <laughs> like anytime like same with um zodiac as well like they all have that that vibe and oh, yeah. where every frame is 
Yeah, the I greens the greens are punched up a bit. The blacks are a bit crushed, and uh, it's in a way it's similar to like some of the Lord of the Rings films, you know, before they mm-hmm. did their big re you know recolor. Unfortunately, but uh, the thing also with with David Fincher movies is that at least from what I've noticed, there's been a lot more use of like fluorescence. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. I could I could be wrong, but yeah, I I love it. He does this some he does this awesome thing too. This is what I love in so many other films as well, especially Roger Deakins films, is placing the camera inside the action. So mm-hmm. there's like this whole kind of there's this thing that you know I I learned from a, a behind the scenes thing with George Lucas. He was like a well written sh- scene can't be ruined by a wide and two over the shoulders, but. David Fincher does this thing was like, yeah, he'll use over the shoulders and sometimes, but he'll also place the camera within like past the shoulder. So the camera's inside the action of the two actors yeah. talking and it creates yep. a little bit more of a sense of character and presence and, and intimacy in a way as well. The opening shot of the movie is like that. The opening yeah, shot yeah, is yeah. Rosamund Pike laying on Ben Affleck. Yeah. And it's like, it's essentially becomes a little bit more their POV, but the character's not looking into the camera. Like Christopher Nolan does this too, where, and that, that's something that I've always wanted to, you know, I try, I dissect it all the, all the time. I, I get carried away, but uh, I love this visual style where it's like, essentially you push in from the over the shoulder shot and you keep pushing, keep pushing until you're inside the action and you rest on this close up. And you're essentially mm-hmm. getting all of that coverage, but you're create you're getting more and more intimate as you go, and yeah. um, I I love that. I think it's great. And if you're able to keep a tight eye line too, oof, oof, I can go on and on with this stuff. Oh, I yeah. love it. It's like it's using it's again. We've talked about this before, but using the camera in a motivated way that makes sense. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if it, like it, I know we're not talking about Social Network, but it's like one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's also a future movie. So, um, but the the opening dialogue between Jesse Eisenberg and Rooney Mara in that movie, where like to add emphasis onto what Rooney Mara is saying, and when she calls um, Jesse Eisenberg an asshole, he's like he shifts the camera so slightly and like basically is a close-up on her face to kind of emphasize the point that she's making like saying that that he's a total asshole which will come that you come back to ultimately at the end of the movie and it's just so like masterfully done like he's a master of his craft he's probably one of yeah. the best so, uh, directors so out there yeah right he, and he definitely surrounds himself with a lot of incredible talent like you were you were talking about the cinematography um, in the intent there, I gotta, I really gotta give it up to uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross on the yes. the score. Yep. It's like yep. right from the opening notes of the movie, it just sets up this eerie, unsettling atmosphere of this mystery that's going on, and like it, it really, it uh, that along with the visuals really help put you as a viewer almost off balance, right? Like, the, yeah, I've seen and this movie thing, a few times, and I still get that like. What's going on feeling, even though I know every beat and every moment of the movie? And and the perfect thing, too, is that it's more ambient than it is kind of like rhythmic or whatever. Yeah. Because it creates an atmosphere for you. Rather than saying, this is how you should feel, it's setting an environment for you. And you get to experience, okay, with the music, with the visuals, you start to put it together how you should feel. It's not essentially like smacking you over the head and saying, feel scared, feel, mm-hmm. <laughs> feel whatever. You're just like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I don't, what's happening? And you are then engaged wanting to know more. It's interesting yeah. because the score almost acts as an unreliable narrator in this movie. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, okay, let's go into some like, let's break this down. Let's go into it. I I never start, but I have got one point that I'd like to make right off yeah. the top. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's it. okay. No, I <laughs> I think people give Ben Affleck too much crap. People give Ben Affleck way too much crap. I love Ben Affleck. I think he's a fantastic <laughs> actor. He's a fantastic director. And I think he does a really good job in this movie. And, you know, it's, again, it's kind of like we go back to 500 Days of Summer. It's two terrible people in their own way. And dealing with, you know, basically kind of what marriage does to two people. But I think Ben Affleck crushes it in this movie. I think he's fantastic. But just as a general, people give Ben Affleck too much crap. But the star of this, uh, who I think deserves all of it, and I think she's a fantastic actress. Bit of a crush on her. 
Rosamund Pike, <laughs> I think she's brilliant. She plays this so well. It's like this, so many different layers are going on here. Like you could analyze the amount of evil going on in her, but there's reasons for it. You know what I mean? Like to me, like it's, ste- it stems like what, why she's doing what she's doing is like, it stems from this like level of insecurity that she has because of, you know, her father's a, a writer and it's like amazing. Amy is the, is the childhood books and it's based on her and she is amazing Amy. And she's got all of this kind of like pressure in a way. And like, since uh, being a kid stardom essentially, and it's kind of like her constant need for attention, but yet at the same time she doesn't want it. But she, yeah, but yeah, it's so it's so messed up. Just like the layers that Rosamund Pike brings this character, I think she does an amazing job. It's mm-hmm. hard to put into words because I'm just kind of like I should have written this down, but I didn't. Of course, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I, I I think that the casting in this movie was incredible. Every single actor in this film brings something to the table. And I mean, like when this movie first came out, when I saw Tyler Perry's name in the credits, I went, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. I totally forgot he was in this movie. I, okay. So every time I watch this movie, I'm like, holy shit, that's Tyler Perry. And not only that, but holy shit, that's Tyler Perry doing an incredible job in a serious role. Right. Cause everyone pictures him from his Medea movies. Right, because there's yeah. like a billion of those out, but he's actually a really, really solid actor, and especially he, in this film, he people always forget that he is like a hardcore, like such a good producer. Like they, he was, he has, he's got his own like studio and like in business down in the states. I think I don't know, is it Georgia, Atlanta? It's one of those. Atlanta's um, in Georgia. Atlanta's in Georgia, so it's that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we were we were talking about when the, when coronavirus first happened, just how to what what protocols to put in place, and it 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 got online like the protocols that his studio were doing, and you know it, it circulated around and like they were like the first ones to have like a, a detailed plan as to how a studio how a production can go about doing it. And I remember like we were reading some of this, and it was like they had people up in hotels, they had production will give you basically owns you for a certain period of time however long the production is like if it's a feature film it's like a month and a bit maybe uh depending on the film but i was just like okay someone's got a plan and i was like tyler perry's like okay all right because yeah like you said like everyone's got this idea of him as like medea and like those types of movies but like it's awesome to see him come up in gone girl or see him come up in like like jj abrams star trek you know what i mean like just yeah. he pops up it's like it's so good because he's great he's Tyler really Perry good. was in star trek yeah he played an admiral holy shit i didn't even realize it's a small role but he's like he crushes it he is one of my favorite parts of the of the whole movie just because he's kind of like a refret like a bit normally lawyers in these types of movies are kind of like shown as like kind of scumbags but he was just such a likable like a breath of likable fresh air in a movie full of people that you just don't want which is which is really funny (laughs) because uh, they also try to set him up as the scumbag lawyer he's the guy that defends husbands who have killed their wives he is the the scumbag in the movie, but he's also like the most lighthearted and, and joyful one to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the the final scene with him where he just just him laughing in the airport <laughs> at Nick. So what do how do what do we think of this journey of Rosamund Pike's character's manipulation of the situation? Her, she's got a plan. Basically, we're experiencing her writing in this diary, which is basically going to be used as evidence. She's thought everything through. She's thought out like her kidnapping, her murder, her uh, how to frame Ben Affleck's character. And then essentially, you know, her return in a way, once things kind of go sideways for her, how do, how do, what do we think of the whole kind of story in general and how it was presented to us? I love watching the juxtaposition of the best of times mixed with the, the destruction of their relationship um, and the deconstruction of this toxic relationship between them. But I also, I, I love that um, it's done from an unreliable narrator for the first half of the movie and then switches to being brutally honest with exactly what happened and how it was done. Cause honestly, every time I watch this movie, I'm always surprised 
by how I go from hating Nick at the beginning of the movie and sympathizing with Amy to switching and hating Amy and kind of almost sympathizing with Nick before we realize that they're both just terrible people. (laughs) Yeah. So I had only seen this movie once before, and it was a long time ago now. It was whenever it came out, which I think was like 2013 or or something like that. And I didn't remember certain story beats that happened in the movie. I I did remember that she was an unreliable narrator. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but the scene of him in the gazebo at the vigil, that particular scene really stayed in my brain. And I still haven't really been able to, to figure out why that particular scene stuck out when another major scene at the end of the movie did not stick in my brain for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do really like the idea of like having an unreliable narrator. I think that that's not some, that that's something that I feel like should be played with more, but I, I also think it can be done very, very wrong. And in this movie, they, they did it right. Ben Affleck in this movie. I mean, I'm not a huge Ben Affleck fan, but I, and I kept saying this while we were watching it. It was like, Ben Affleck just d- doesn't seem like genuine to me in this movie. He just it just feels like he's he's off or something. And Phil was kind of like, yeah, I kind of think that's the point. <laughs> I was like, mm, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say like that's like you have you want to constantly think whether or not how guilty this guy is, right? Yeah. And, and there's it- always something like you you don't want it to be too one sided in terms yeah. of oh, Amy's a crazy like there's like it's it's terrible and it's completely wrong what she did but also like the guy's like he's cheating on her he's whatever like she's not the man that you know he's not the man that she married sort of thing but it's just kind of you know both of them are psycho in their own little special way the the awesome thing about it is there is something for both sides like and both sides being like the husband and the wife so like there's things where I, I do find it interesting that we're having this conversation because I, I find you guys both defending like Rosamund Pike and I'm going to be defending like Nick in this situation because Rosamund Pike in this movie to me just seems like a full on sociopath. Like there is oh, nothing like oh, no, nothing abs- redeemable about her, like what she did to her husband, because like, I mean, the the level of revenge that she plays against him for like it i don't know like yeah there's bad marriages but like d- you're gonna frame your husband for murder because oh like, like i, I <laughs> it, it's messed up and I, I don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna defend her for you know doing all those sort of things but like at some point i'm just kind of like okay like i can i i applaud your efforts can you imagine like seeing this can you imagine seeing this movie with like a significant other? Like if a guy takes his girlfriend to <laughs> to this movie and like something happens, like she like she slits the guy's throat, she slits Neil Patrick's oh Harris's throat at some point, and like the girlfriend's like, mm-hmm, that's right. And then the boyfriend being like, What the fuck? What? <laughs> like or like all of a sudden you just see her nodding in the like in the <laughs> beside you, you're like, What is happening? Why do you agree with this person? What? <laughs> I love the shout out to like watching true crime to learn how to like clean up after a murder and like all this kind of stuff. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Yeah, it's so on the forefront of like everything that's happening right now. It also, yeah, this movie actually does like one thing where I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been doing that. But it's like, it's teaching people how to kill their significant other. Yep. 100%. And I'm just kind of like, is everything okay at home? Like, what's, (laughs) what's, what's going on here? Okay, maybe you're not defending Rosamund Pike's character, but I I do think, like, it's very interesting that he, like, between the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie, like, the whole unreliable character thing, like, you do, you jump sides real quick. You're like, oh, oh, wait, what? Uh, What? (laughs) What Yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, as, like, especially as a filmmaker, I'm just kind of like, man, this story rocks because the level, the level of manipulation the level of complexity <laughs> and us like us seeing it happen you're just kind of like okay this is like as an audience member i was just i was enticed the entire time i was entranced the whole time i was yeah definitely watching and rosamund pike is so 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 good such a good actor yeah that it fully you just fully 
commit to it. And I do love the way that they shot the happy days before yeah you know the good days like because you can i mean obviously there's like the lighting tricks of like you you light things a little bit warmer you know you boost the colors a little bit the contrast isn't as crazy um you can also tell that like green is almost completely gone from the yeah from the flashback stuff those sorts of things like i think that it was really well done i just want to watch some more david fincher stuff now (laughs) yeah (laughs) I came into like I came into this movie kind of forgetting a bunch of stuff about it. Yeah. It's I don't think it's my favorite David Fincher movie. Like he's got so many good ones like but I still I still quite enjoy the story. And yeah, that kind of twist in the middle is is pretty awesome. And Rosamund Pike, she plays a fantastic terrifying person. I'd be interested to know like if the book does the same thing. Like if the book has like the unreliable narrator for most of it, and then there's like a switch partway through. I, I wonder how that they they approach that in the book, but I'd be interested to read that for sure. Yeah, I do find it interesting that like so. I mean, speaking of true crime, I've I've I listened to a shit ton of true crime podcasts, and uh, women normally don't do stuff like this, so it makes it almost even more frightening that she's like. The one in a million that, like, is pulling this off, like, right under Ben Affleck's nose. It's pretty... Well, I mean, the the women that do this get on the news, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. They they get fa- they get famous from it. Because I think I know a couple ex-girlfriends that would have tried to kill me, but... Uh, <laughs> joke's on you, I'm still here! <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a crying laugh. <laughs> That sounds like a challenge. Uh, yeah. I just refilled I just refilled my cup with my own tears, so that's fine. <laughs> ben, what what are you uh what are your thoughts? What have you been thinking about this movie? No, I honestly I really agree. I think David Fincher's kind of a master when it comes to this kind of unsettling storytelling, and I think he he definitely set it up really well with the the way he used kind of the the unreliable narrator in order to kind of drop your sense of security and kind of lull you into this belief that Rosamund Pike was completely innocent and completely wronged while at the same time dropping hints here and there about her sociopathy. How, what is that? That's not a word, is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, so like I, I really enjoyed trying to put the pieces together myself while watching it. And like I said, this is probably my fourth time seeing this movie. And every time I'm still sitting on the edge of my seat, waiting for the next clue, the next hint, trying to figure out uh, what's going on, who's in the right, who's in the wrong, what happened. And even though, like, like I said, I know this movie really well at this point. I know the beats. I know the plot points. The way that it's constructed, I'm still lulled into that false sense of security about Rosamund Pike's character. And like I, I'm on board with the narrator, at least through the first half of the movie, where I'm thinking Ben Affleck is a complete piece of shit, which he is in this movie, and that he probably murdered his wife, even though I know the twist, the turn. Yeah, it's an interesting take on, like, the whole, like, the husband did it because, like, 90% of the time, that's true. (laughs) And her being able to so eat. And and also, like, the way that beautiful white women get put all over the news and she, like, her studying true crime and learning all these things in the movie is, like, it's pretty smart to have it in there because I I know all that stuff from just listening to my true crime podcast. Be careful, Phil. So- <laughs> <laughs> I did find it interesting that like they also added in the the section where she was going to kill herself to kind of like seal the deal and and make it so that like because ultimately she's trying to get him killed. Like she's trying to get him the death penalty. Which is yeah. like, and she's willing to kill herself up. to get it. Yeah, yeah. It's that, like ul- that. It's that ultimate revenge. But then you start to see, like, kind of some of the other the other men in her life who she's also manipulated into this into this way and like basically ruined their lives. And it starts to make you wonder, like, okay, so what exactly did they do? Like this one, that one guy just broke up with her, 
Mm-hmm. And that 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 was it. And she like decided to to ruin his life. And then Neil Patrick Harris's character, oh my god, he's so creepy. I don't, I don't know. If so creepy. <laughs> he just wanted to love her. I don't even know if that one boyfriend uh, broke up with her because they slept together that night, didn't they? And then she, she, like, accu- was, she accused him of like assault and all that too. After it was all done, yeah, yeah. But they like yeah. they slept together at his place, and when he woke up, the cops were there yeah. because she claimed he raped him. So like, I don't even know if he did anything wrong. <laughs> she just yeah. got grew. It, to me, it came across as she just kind of grew bored and was just tired of him and wanted to do something. You know what I mean? Like just like a true sociopath. She just wanted to see what she yeah. could do, see what she could get away with. And every time that she's been with someone else, she's pushed that envelope further and further to the point where she tried to get one of them m- legally murdered. Yeah. It's all about control. Like, this movie is all, like, the whole movie is all about control. Who has it? Who wants to keep it? And, like, what that does, not only in a relationship, but, like, just in general to... And not only that, but what you would do, what we, what you would do in order to keep it, right? Yeah. Like, the the juxtaposition of, like, when we do eventually get to the point where um, she goes to Neil Patrick Harris's character because she has literally no other choice. She's on the run and um, she gets her money like all the money that she saved for this particular endeavor stolen from her. So now she has to kind of change her plan. She's she's not able to to carry out what she wanted to, which makes her so angry. And so she goes to Neil Patrick Harris, who's kind of been following her over the years, sending her letters. He's like kind of a creepy, obsessive stalker guy. And my God, does he play that well? Like, and the way he's lit too, like when, when Nick, goes to see him and like tries to talk to him it's like this weird like overhead yeah. light that like gives all of his features this like kind of weird like harsh shadows like, yeah yeah it's super creepy and you see that like the reason that she wasn't able to do to neil patrick harris what she's done to other men is because he in that situation is like the creepy control like he almost matches her in the, yeah. the creepy control. They're a pair of sociopaths yeah. together. Yeah, because he keeps saying to her, like, I just want you to look like yourself. And, like, he he gets her, like, hair dye and tells her to, like, hit the gym to, like, lose some he, weight. He's and- grooming her into the image that he wants while trying to convince her that that's what she is. Trying to yeah. gaslight her into his perfect world. Oh, and, like, yeah. the multiple times, like, or, like, the day after she gets there, where he basically hints at I'm going to sleep with you and it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got cameras all over the house, which is super creepy. And like And she uses can, that to her advantage too, right? Yeah. Like he she covers herself in what was it, grape juice or something like that? I forget. Yeah, something and, uh, like that. And to make it seem like on video that uh, that he assaulted her. Yeah. The lengths that she's willing to go in this movie. To are, keep her yeah. power to keep her power to prove that somebody assaulted her and takes a club to herself. And I'm like, Oof. she impregnates yeah. herself in order to keep perpetuate the lie of, um, this relationship at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something that's like, that's something that she never, she never wanted kids and she's willing to, you know, do this to herself in order to, to keep Ben Affleck from, from leaving her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's, like, a very interesting parallel of, like, showing how Ben Affleck's treated in the media versus, like, how she is when she's, like, the the true, true sociopath of the of the film. You, you know, I, it kind of hurt me a little bit at the be- towards the beginning of the movie where he's being judged for thanking people and shaking people's hands and giving people food at the... Uh, the conference center where they're organizing the search effort. Cause I was just like, that's just honestly, that's what I would be doing. I'd be thanking everyone that came. I'd be trying to help them for helping me and all that. So it's like, it just, it kind of hurt me to see him vilified for trying to thank people and be kind to the people that are helping him out. (laughs) I, I actually, I hate her parents. I hate her yeah. parents. Of all the characters yeah, in this right. movie, I shouldn't hate them, but I do. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I, I see it. where she gets her desire to fight back against this amazing Amy um, image from those parents, because I just, I want nothing to do with them. Yeah, it's like, 
when Nick's doing that, it's showing like the impossible position that that like husbands are put in if if their wives do go missing and they didn't do it because right. everyone immediately suspects the husband. Yeah, always. You're, you're kind to like, people, then that means that you did it. You 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 ignore people, well, that means that you did it. You cry, that means that you're playing it up and you did it. Like every yeah. sign in that situation points towards him doing it for no re- no re- good reason, which is well, especially why, at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, Tyler Perry's character says something along the lines of basically like, yeah, he's acting like this because he lost his wife and is like, you know what I mean? Like, just because he's acting like this doesn't mean he's guilty. It means that he's mourning the loss of his wife. Yeah. And they play it. I think I think they play it smart at the beginning, too, when they're just like, we're trying to suss out whether or not he did it because of the way that he's acting with the cops in the room. When he's like being yeah. interrogated and he's like making, you know, weird statements and he's just being like, you know, we have a homeless problem, right? Like, why aren't you, Yeah. you know, he's like deflecting in a way, but also just like, you know, how would you react during that? It's you it's one of those, find your wife. Here. it's a cross between uh, look at it one way and he's deflecting, look at it another way and he's grasping at straws to try and find any explanation for yeah. why his wife is missing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, is there anything in this movie that we thought could have been expanded upon or perhaps enhanced to make the overall story a bit better for us? Like, let's let, is there anything that we think could have happened that we, that we hoped could have happened that we wished for? I haven't read the book, so I don't know how different the film is from the book, but I, like, I mean, I didn't. I wasn't missing anything. We did have one conversation at the end of the movie where it would have been more, and this is Phil, what Phil said, not me. So I'm stealing it from him and saying it for the podcast. He mentioned like how interesting it would be to just end the movie at her coming out of the car, like all covered in blood, like coming up to Ben Affleck and him having one of my favorite moments of the movie where he just whispers in her ear in front of like all of the the news people you fucking bitch <laughs> like, yeah. as she like stumbles <laughs> as he's uh he's holding her yeah and i think that would have been really interesting to I, I it wouldn't have neatly put all the things in a row but it would have been a very interesting spot to end the movie yeah where, like you're just kind of like oh shit she's back yeah it definitely is a ending point I, yeah. I don't know if it's the right ending point. So, yeah, I I, yeah. I, 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 I agree. I, I like the idea of ending there, but at the same time, I do also love Nick's sister's line, you're going to spend the next 18 years with that monster. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. also then, too, you're, you, you, you lose out on a lot of opportunity of the entire film you're basically getting to the point of like oh my god what happens if they finally are reunited you know mm-hmm. and then you know thankfully i think i think it's a bit rewarding for us to see what happens once they're reunited i i do yeah. like that um that they ended it with that interview uh with the woman that was vilifying his character right f- at the beginning Oh, the Megan Kelly character? Yeah, yeah so like yeah. she's vilifying him on the first day of his wife's disappearance. And now she's like the great, their greatest champion at the end. I thought that was quite the uh, full circle right, there. Right. Okay. Well, um, anybody got any uh, final thoughts? Let's, let's loop it in. Let's do our final thoughts and we'll do a, an out of five rating. Ben, how about you? Um, one of my favorite things about this movie, and I remember it really striking me when I first saw it in theaters, was I love that it's not really a happy ending, right? Like this yeah. is, yeah. It, it, it's two bad people kind of ending up where they deserve to be, which is stuck with this person that they hate. Like they're they're terrible, terrible people. Now I will say, uh, Rosamund Pike's character definitely, I think, takes the cake in terrible. People yes. of the two, um, <laughs> yeah. but they are yeah. two terrible people who deserve, they kind of deserve to suffer and they're stuck suffering with each other. I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree with that because it's like, it's, it, it asks the question of like, what happens if you marry the wrong person? Yeah. And like, I, I, I don't think either uh, of them me, handled marrying the wrong person in the right way. Let me get that out in the clear. I well, don't think either uh, of them 
were justified in any of their actions. But at the same time, I don't think that they should have stuck together. I don't know how to word that. Like to me, to me, it's kind of like a monster movie. Like honestly, it's like what happens when you marry this monster. Like that. That's what Rosamund Pike is to me. She's like this crazy, manipulative, like unfeeling monster who just wants to control all the people around in her life like i know it's not your typical monster movie but like that's that's kind of what i took away from it and it i just find it like it's so tragic that like ben affleck is stuck now he has no way to get out and if he does he knows what's gonna happen to him like and this like he'll be vilified if he tries to leave yeah this like oppressive force is like holding him in place like he's in quicksand like it's such a horrifying place and like they allude to it a bit at the end of the movie where he's sleeping in a different room and like he's locking the bedroom at night because he's so terrified of her and yeah it's a he basically becomes the character that she created as for herself in her diary yeah 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 and and he like the the mirror of what neil patrick harris did to her when she was staying with him and it is now she is doing to to ben affleck's character and yeah it's uh i'm just realizing this now but yeah it's a bit of a it's a monster movie to me (laughs) (laughs) well i i was gonna say it's uh i hadn't thought about the connection to 500 days of summer until scott had mentioned it it's it's two different ways of dealing with the this toxicity except one One's got this happy ending where they're both going to be go on to be terrible people to other people, and then there's this yeah. one where they're both going to be, they're both terrible people but stuck being terrible people to each other. Yeah. Ben, out of five bat flicks, how many do you give it? I don't know. I I I love this movie. I'm probably going to give it. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to give it a five. Oh nice. my goodness. I, go. I've seen there this movie go. four times and I still get the same um the same highs, the same lows from it every time. I'm still on the edge of my seat. Like no matter how many times I see this movie, it still feels fresh to me. And the yeah. way that Fincher weaves this story together, it I I love it. I find that every bit works so well together from the score to the cinematography to the writing to the acting, like even like Ben Affleck feels a little wooden at points, but to me, it feels like that's on purpose. That's to throw you yeah. off the scent of who you should trust and who you should be rooting for. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Hannah, uh, final thoughts, and then we'll uh, we'll give it a little rating. Yeah, I, I like this movie. It's uh, it's not my favorite Fincher movie of all time, but it is up there. I I do find some of it quite disturbing like the the throat cut scene in the movie which we didn't really go into too much but it's uh it's pretty upsetting that's the and also the wine bottle scene as well that is also quite upsetting yeah like so there's a lot of (laughs) i didn't say what she was doing with the wine bottle but you could probably (laughs) uh extrapolate what uh she was doing so there, there's definitely some disturbing stuff in it, but overall it, it is quite a good movie. And there's this one scene where there's just this smile between Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck. It's like near the end of the movie and it's the smile of like, uh, you're a fucking bitch. <laughs> like like <laughs> smiling at each other from across the room. And it's just a look that like you just feel so viscerally like it's it's something you've probably done or and i've probably done to people before <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah i i i'm not a huge but i already said this but i'm not a huge ben affleck fan but i thought he did a pretty good job in this movie i really like the actress that played his sister yeah I, she's great i don't recognize her from from anything but uh yeah i i thought she was really really good and uh patrick fugit who's in it. I really liked him in a show called Outcast that came out a few years ago now that was on HBO. He's he's pretty good in this one as well. But um, yeah, I, I I really liked it. It was, uh, it was a good watch. It's long, though. Man. Yeah, two and a half hours, like, I think, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, out of five, creepy Neil Patrick Harris getting his throat <laughs> slit. How many would you give it? <laughs> oh, man. It's horrible. Um, I could give it not quite a five. I'm gonna I'm gonna go four point 
five. <laughs> I'm going into the points. Nice. What about nice. you, Scott? Yeah, I agree with you guys' points. Definitely, definitely agree with something Ben said, where it's like, you know, after all these years coming back to it, like, I was still engaged with it. I still found it fresh. I I love this, you know, I love movies that don't always end in a happy ending. I I can appreciate that, and it's something that I strive for as a filmmaker. Seeing, you know, two terrible people kind of their relationship dissolving into nothing and how they react to it. And they're put in this in terrible situation, seeing this mastermind psychotic person at work uh, and seeing how that level of mastermind play out. I love watching that. And it all makes sense too, which is great. Usually like there usually in plans like this, there's like, you can you can point out flaws, like, but for this one, you're just like, oh, fuck, that actually makes sense. And like, you're kind of scared because if you're watching it with your partner, you're just kind of like, <laughs> okay, don't, why are you taking notes? Don't do that. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I love this. I love this movie when it first came out and I love this movie now. I, I can't, I can't complain about it. Uh, I mean, Rosemont Pike deserves, you know, an Oscar for it. I think Ben Affleck plays it exactly how he should. David Fincher, I think, does exactly what he needs to do. I, I love everything from the the subtleties in the cinematography that helps the character relationships and it and it brings forth a nice underscoring of what's happening to them. The music I think plays a, a huge role. The cinematography plays a huge role. The actors as well. I also want to mention the the one who plays the lead detective. That actress is awesome. Kim Dickens is awesome in this movie. I think she's great. Oh, she, I forgot she was in Deadwood. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Solid, solid movie all around. And I think it's also uh, like a masterclass in filmmaking as well, especially if you want to go with this like subtle heightened reality, especially, you know, if you want to utilize tone, I think it's a masterclass. So Scott, Mm -hmm. out of five sociopathic bloody Rosamund Pikes. Oh my God. How many would you give Gone Girl? It's, I know it's supposed to be a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, to to touch on that scene for a moment, I love, so the scene where she kills Neil Patrick Harris, she's, you know, having sex with him and he's enjoying his time, of course, and then goes out with a slit of the throat. She like has like a box cutter (laughs) under the pillow sort of thing. Real James Bond of her. And slits, her, slits his throat and he like bleeds all over. And she just gets, she just becomes this bloody mess, like a scene out of Carrie. And uh, then she's on top of him. And then she just kind of like, you can see like this look on her face. And then all of a sudden she just kind of like, yeah, does a little hair flip to get her hair out of her face. And her face then just becomes blank. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Damn. Like, oh my God. Like, you can just like, if there is any question in your mind, oh, like she can be, you know, she like there's some redeeming qualities here or whatever. <laughs> She's not crazy. Nope. She gonna kill you. Nope. And no one's safe. But I was just like, man, the level of like the level of just mastermind evil, just and everything compiling into one's like this is where this this character has gone. I, I, I love it. I love everything about it. She's a master class in acting as well. If, if anyone wants to, you know, be an actor out there, Rosamund Pike in this movie, because she goes from, you know, making you love her to just making you hate her. And it just, oh, it's great. Fantastic. But I would give it five. I'm in it. I'm five. Oh. Five, five bloody Rosamund Pikes. She kind of goes from Amazing Amy to Despicable Amy pretty quickly. Yeah, and then that's a whole different. Uh, that's a that's a There's Pixar. One more thing I want to comment on: when she's in the hospital at the end of the movie, she would not still be covered in blood when they did that interview. They they yes because no, it's a horrible they, they health a shower, hazard. There's right? no way like, she would still. Not only that, but they sent her home covered in what? blood. <laughs> that's never would happen. Still covered in blood. Yeah. I, honestly, that's maybe that the was one. Ju- that's maybe like the one thing where I'm just kind of like, okay, that's maybe not believable, but it all leads up yeah. to a scene where she makes Ben Affleck have a shower yeah. with him to avoid any bugs that were planted for the like the police to listen to. And I was like, okay, but also after that, you then completely still talk about like your plans and all that afterwards. So maybe oh, it, sure. it just seems for like sure. it was an excuse to have a, a shower scene. 
with the two of them. But also, it's a well done thing. Like, the, I mean, the visuals alone for that, like the blood coming off, like, and it's between the two of them. Yeah. Like, that was, and that's and it, like their first major scene alone. So I get the reasons for doing it. But, well, that's, yeah. that's the only time you see them together yeah. in the present, is that shower scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, other than the hospital, but them alone, like, that's their first kind of like clash of like, you know, battling it out in person yeah it's it's nuts <laughs> oh, clash of the God. assholes there clash of clash of the terrible folks that has been the winchester's review of gone girl catch us next time where it's our one year anniversary episode and we're talking about the musical cats so get ready for vfx buttholes and lsd inducing scenes uh it's gonna be wild it's going to be nuts. And magical Mr. <laughs> Mr. Uh, it's going to be great. Hannah, where can the good people find you? Everyone can find me online at shiny bad guys. And Ben, hit us with those details. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at the Ben Bray. I'm Scott. You can find me on all social media at Skay P. That's S-C-A-Y-P. You can find our wonderful editor, Jordan Moore, on social media, at that Jordan Moore. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It would really help us out, and we would appreciate it. Uh, don't forget that you can also join in on the conversation by following us on all social media, at WinchesterCast. Don't forget to use the hashtag, WinchesterCast. Come on by for a pint. Tell your friends, tell your family, the Winchester is home to all. Pew, 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 pew. pew, pew.